Hi guys, welcome back to Tell Me About It, where we leave things like girl boss energy and lucky breaks and success stories at the door and instead celebrate and mostly just commiserate about all the things that make us human. So this episode couldn't have come at a better time because I have never needed to talk about medication with you guys more. The past two weeks, I found myself in a little bit of a depression rut. I have anxiety and depression, as we've talked about many times on this show. And for the past two weeks, like nothing really externally or in my personal life is going on that's making me anxious or depressed. But I just find myself waking up every morning like with my palms are sweating and my heart is racing. And I just feel anxious in this dread that I can't quite understand where it's coming from or what it like it just feels like this urgency that I don't understand and I know that I'm depressed because for a lot of reasons but mostly because it just feels like everything that I have to do is 10 times harder I'm like a lot more fragile so like if I get a stressful email it like sends me through the roof whereas normally it wouldn't bother me at all I'm just really sensitive it just feels like carrying a boulder with you up a hill And I feel this deep urge to get back in bed every free second I have, like not so I can like chill and hang in bed, but so I can literally get under the covers, hide under the covers, like where like I can't see any light and I just like breathe and I can like get my heart rate to go back down. So it's like anxiety and depression kind of acting up. And of course, I'm medicated, as we've talked about again many times on this show, So when you're medicated, when you feel those bouts of depression or your mental illness symptoms start coming to the surface again, it's even more terrifying because you're like, oh shit, this thing that was working for me no longer is really working to the efficacy that I need it to. So for me, I talked to my therapist this morning and I was like, it was hard for me to admit, but I was like, I might need to, you know, up my dose. Well, she suggested it and we kind of both came to that conclusion. You know, we decided that I want to wait another week or two and see how I feel because, you know, these things change like every fucking day and I confuse the shit out of myself. But yesterday and for about two weeks, I've been feeling pretty depressed. Making the decision to modify, start antidepressants or change your dosage of antidepressants can be a really hard decision because for me, like my dose was working so well and I was feeling really good and I almost forgot what it felt like to feel depressed. And so to come to this realization is kind of a sobering gut punch that like, okay, I might have to keep modifying this for the rest of my life. But as I say that, as I say the rest of my life, I'm reminded of a promise I made to myself when I first started antidepressants. When I first started antidepressants, I was scared. I felt like it was a life sentence. I felt like I had to rely on something every day that felt weird. I thought that it would change me as a person, all these fears that I think are pretty normal. But what I promised myself was that I would take it a day at a time. I wouldn't think of it as a life sentence. I wouldn't think of it for the next five years, 10 years, 50 years. I would think to myself, as I'm going to try to remind myself now, that I need this right now. Today, I need this help. This is what I need to get through the day to be myself, to not be a different version of myself, a better version of myself, just to be me. And right now helps me do that. But I know how maddening it is when you so desperately want to feel better and you want a magic pill, but it's hard to find the right one. Like, I know what that's like, and it's so shitty. Not to mention the stigmatization of pills in the first place, how your family might feel about you being on them, how you might feel opening up to a new romantic partner about being on them. Those are all things that aren't talked about really enough, in my opinion. And there are so many things on Instagram that make you think that Taking a pill every day means that you're not living your life in the healthiest way possible. And that's such bullshit because some of us need medication to be the healthiest version of ourselves. And it's a personal journey and it's one that I don't think we can talk enough about. So I'm really excited that today's episode is with Miss Katie Nara, who has suffered from OCD, manic depression, and ADHD for her entire life. And she has tried so, so many different combinations of medications and treatments to try to manage her mental illness. And I love how open and frank she is about it. She talks about everything from Adderall to Zoloft and ketamine infusions, which I know is a little out of the box, especially if you're not from LA, but it's something that I'm super interested in because it can be used in certain doses to treat depression or other mental illnesses. So it's something that I've always wanted to hear a first person perspective about. And she really was just an open book, and I'm so appreciative. 
Katie is an actress, designer, writer, and most recently a podcast host. Been Better How About You is a podcast focused on mental health. I guested on her show recently, so you can check out that episode. I think it was back in December. And if you feel alone in your mental health journey or just want to know that another person has felt what you feel or has been through what you're going through, listen to Katie's podcast because it's pretty wonderful. Okay, let's get to it. Here is Katie Nara. Hi, Katie. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm happy to be here. Well, we have a lot to get into. Yeah, I feel like we'd never run out of things to talk about, even though if they had nothing to do with that's our for mental sure. Health. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have to like take this off the record <laughs> later. But I didn't realize that you work out with Chase. I, you know what? I used to. I know workout is a loose term for me too. Like I don't consistently work out with him, <laughs> but I have. You have right. Okay, because yeah. I remember your manager or someone telling me that, and you know he lived with me for like six Stop. weeks. Stop. Was when he was homeless, quote unquote, no in between way. apartments. I know he's the best. He is, but I haven't. His between my schedule and his schedule, and I, I started horseback riding. It's really hard. You like, started horseback riding? Yeah, again. So, oh, you which used I love. To? Wow. But I love it. I'm like so addicted to it, and so people that love it love it. No, I like prefer animals to people. So basically, Chase, you have been left for a horse. You yes. can let him know that. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world to get me to work out. Like, Really? Don't you think it helps with your endorphins or no? Are you just not? Some people are like, no. No, it's just, I feel like in a couple years, I'll be a lot more regimented and like disciplined right. because I feel so much better when I am. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. I can't get there yet with the That's consistency, right. you know? But well. He's his schedule's also it's hard yeah, with the Kendall Jenner and all you know oh my god all of his celeb clients and everything. But anyway, anyway, let's talk about you. <laughs> let's talk about you, Kendall Jenner, whatever girl. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bye. Um, <laughs> sorry, okay. goodbye. So tell me a little about your podcast. It is about mental health. Mm-hmm. It's called Ben Better HBU. How such about you? Such a genius, such a genius title. Well, thank you. And it's something that it's funny. I had the idea of doing this two months before it was it 2020 when the pandemic started. Yeah. I don't even know. Okay. So, yeah. and I went to my partner now in it, Allie, and I said, oh, what do you think? Do you think we, you know, this would be something you'd want to do with me? I've, mm-hmm. I've had such a struggle throughout my whole life with mental health issues and I'd, I'd be really great to share it and try to help people. And she was like, absolutely. And then sort of a blessing in disguise it's kind of awful to say that with COVID, but it yeah. it was in the sense that um, everybody that worked on it wouldn't have been able to work on mm. it had we not been in COVID. Right. You know, like how much you're like, because no one else had anything else totally. really to do. Yeah. So, and it just kind of naturally progressed and came yeah. together, which was great. I, I feel like whenever that happens, it's meant to be. Absolutely. Like to keep doing it. Absolutely. And if you can like create something out of COVID, like that's... Yeah. An incredible thing, you know? Because yeah. Because so much- when, when did you launch? You launched same, like- Same. January. Yeah. Totally. It's it's the best to launch during COVID. I Just highly launch, recommend launch it. Just launch away your podcast yes. during COVID. Yes. Like- but so walk me through, like your podcast is so incredible because you are so open about your mental health journey. But I read when you first posted about your podcast, you kind of mentioned that it was like the first time you were really comfortable being so forward about your mental health issues. Can you yeah. tell me about like your life before that? And like, did you did you just not adopt mental health issues as part of your identity? Were you trying to outrun it? What did that look like before you launched the podcast? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, it's funny. I think even ever since I was little, I was always really ashamed of therapy. You know, I've been on medicine since I was five. And so it was really more like a secret, you know, like this is what I'm doing or this is what I'm going through. Also like growing up in the East Coast, the East Coast has way more shame around therapy and meds than- You grew up in Baltimore? Yes. And I feel like in LA people, it's like not cool unless you are going to (laughs) a shrink. Yeah. And so it was just different. And I never really, I mean, people knew people close to me, but I never really publicly, not like, oh, this, like they're waiting on bated breath of what I have to say, but I just would never really talk about it even so, you know, on Instagram or, um, and then I just, I was amazed by how 
many people also suffered when I did come out with the podcast and, you know, people that would DM me that I, you would think, oh, I have no, I, I had no idea that was something that you were struggling with or people that would say like, this really helped me or, mm-hmm. you know, sh- it, or shows that like, I didn't think maybe, oh, this isn't that interesting. But then like other people were like, this changed my life. So it was really cool. So no, I really hadn't not talked about it in a big way. Yeah. No. What was the tipping point? Like what finally gave you the courage to talk about it? You know, I think it was really that I started feeling like there's nothing out there that is real about mental health and anxiety, kind of what you, I know, feel as well. And so I felt like I need to create something, you know, Mm -hmm. it just seemed like every, or also like on social media, all the stuff that would talk, that they would talk about or people would post about, it didn't seem real you know, be like, have a cappuccino or like, you know, like go on a walk. I was just like, what? Like, I'm like, you know, ready to like kill myself. Like, that's not really helpful. Like have a cappuccino. Totally. So we wanted, that was really important when we were talking about what we wanted to do. We definitely wanted to make it a, a source of information and, Mm -hmm. and be really specific in what we were telling people, Mm -hmm. because I think that's more helpful for what I wanted to do. You know, like, just like, this is a resource and a great story. Yeah. And at some point, I don't know if you felt this But like it just felt like not mentioning it felt like I was perpetuating like a lie. You know what I mean? It just kind of felt like I wasn't being honest with myself or other people. And I think other people don't have to feel that way. You know what I mean? Not everyone that has depression has to start a podcast or like (laughs) do that. But for me, it just like became too big to ignore. It became such a big part of my life that I couldn't really exclude it from my narrative anymore. Yeah, I think that's I think that's also in some subconscious way, something that I felt as well, where mm-hmm. even when I would tell people before the podcast that I was depressed, like people were always like, oh my God, what do you mean? Like, you're so happy. You're so like, they're always very surprised that I am a manic depressive and have had so many issues. Um, and I think that's just sort of a testament that you really don't know what people are going through. Not even close. Yeah. No way. And so we, so we, so many of us look at people and think, oh, they, they must have everything going for them. They're doing so well. And like, yeah. and meanwhile, they're not. Well, we have this idea of like what these mental illnesses should look like. Like if you have ADHD, you should be the crazy kid in class that, you know, like yeah. is running around the class. You know, it doesn't always look how we think it's going to look. You know, depressed, yeah. we expect to look like, I don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out, but we expect that person to look like sadness from like I- that Disney Pixar movie. No. It's great. Should I? I? Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Okay, okay. It's, it's beautiful. But yeah, there, we have all these expectations of what we, or assumptions of what we think people with mental illness look like. And yeah. often, you know, it's not the case. But I know that yeah. usually we start this podcast by talking about your 20s. But I know for you, mental health issues started way before that. Like you said, you started yeah. medication at five. Can you kind of walk me through your entire life and just walk me, no, well, as far as mental health. This will be a 10-hour episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, just as far as mental health. Oh my God. I, you know, as a child, I never, this sounds awful. My mom's going to be like, but I was never <laughs> like a, and I don't know why I'm like holding socks. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but anyway, I, um, so I was going to put them on and then I was like, now I'm feeling kind of hot. As a child, I was never this sort of like carefree going kid. Like even if you look at photos of me, I'm always looking at my hands. I'm Mm. always sort of in my thoughts. And my sister was always just sort of, you know, happy and easygoing. Mm. And I really had a hard time in school where I couldn't sit still. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with ADHD, went on Ritalin. Mm -hmm. When Um, you were five. Yeah. Wow, that's young. And so I, you know, I, I would have to go to the because you're five, you can't you really to to be holding nurse, pills, right? You have yeah. to go to school nurse. And so it's like embarrassing. Like, I'm like, oh, I have to go get a Band-Aid. Like, you know, you don't want to say where you're, why you're going to the school right. nurse. Was that new for your family? Like, were you the first person that had been prescribed yeah. that? Okay. I, for sure. Like, now my cousins also have had depression and, and different things in my family. But at the time, there was no one else that... Right. And I really don't have a history of it in my family. Okay. And so that that was the beginning. And then, you know, I remember also then when I was around 12 and like all the hormones start coming and it's just like, you just feel so, or I felt really alone and was scary and just always really angry. Honestly, when I think back at it, I look back at it. 
So that's how your anxiety or depression manifested itself. Yeah. I mean, I, as a kid, I don't, it's funny. I feel like anxiety is a new word for people use in the past five, maybe five years. And a little too loosely, if you ask me. (laughs) I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Like, especially people that have like debilitating anxiety. Totally. Like panic disorder. yeah. Yeah. So I had very, well, I still have OCD, you know, OCD, but I had really severe OCD where I would pick up trash, pick up sticks. Like, I mean, my bag looked like someone that lived in the woods. Like I didn't live in the woods. I mean, it just was, <laughs> I was constantly picking up things. Like, and for those that don't know, with people with OCD, they kind of make like, is it not superstitions, but it's kind of like these narratives around doing habits, like picking up things, yeah, right? It's like, it's basically like one of the terms, it's a mistaken belief. So it's like a, a belief that you think if I don't pick up this stick, my whole family is going to die. Like it doesn't make any sense to anyone, even the person thinking that, or at least with me, but you really can't control like not doing it. Totally. So, and it started with, I would have to tap the door three times. You know, it starts with little things and then slowly they can grow. Yeah. How early did you, do you remember starting to do that? Like those little things? I feel like I was, it was before even 10. Cause like, I remember I would like, we would be playing under the dining room table and then there was a door to the kitchen and I would have to you know. So for as like long as you can remember. And was it diagnosed yeah. for that long or like did your parents notice it or? Yeah, I think it was that I probably when I was 12, I I was going into more of like deep therapy where they knew like, OK, she is, you know, she's worrying a lot. Like I always had to worry or an obsession about something that really wasn't it didn't make sense. Right. You know, so in my OCD wasn't, you know, washing my hands. And it can be really debilitating. Mm -hmm. And mine, at least I was able to go on about the day, but it would just be having to do these rituals. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. So that was around 12 when you first started feeling those symptoms. Yeah, more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So it started as ADHD and then OCD. But were you medicated at 12? I should have asked my mom for like my <laughs> Your I, real history. I, yeah. <laughs> she said like, like a 20 page document. Yeah, right. You know what? I can't remember if I was definitely on Ritalin and then I don't think I started like an SSRI till maybe 13, 14, but but it was definitely it and it helped with the OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, but really therapy as well helped. But I never really found a great therapist until I moved to New York to go to school there. But yeah, but it was, I was diagnosed early on. I mean, a lot of people still think to this day that kids, some, some people think, oh, you shouldn't take Ritalin as a child. Like it can stunt your growth, which is, I mean, I'm five, nine, so that's kind of ridiculous, but (laughs) yeah, so it definitely didn't have that effect, but no, I think you touched on something so important, which is like the shame that you feel like as a child, knowing that the medication that you're taking is a secret that can really affect you as an adult, you know? Yeah. So when did you realize my medication doesn't have to be something shameful? Probably not till like a few years ago, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it took a long, long time. People love to be like, oh, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like the women, they're crazy. Yes. Like, oh, don't set her off. Like she's gonna, oh, she didn't take her meds today. Like, right. so I just, I really kept it, not a secret, but I, like you said, I just want to talk about it. Like if someone asked, like, I'd be like, oh yeah, I take this because of this or um, what have you. And it also took me a really long time to get on medicine that, mm. that worked. Ugh, that's a whole yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. like so hard. And I think I didn't really realize that other people dealt with it until I saw a meme about it. But I was like, it's kind of like finding a birth control that works, except for like, it, I mean, birth control can affect your brain, but like, it's just, no, it's, true. it's really hard. I think like not only deciding to go on medication is hard, but then the actual process of finding the right SSRI. And then like, even maybe after six months, the efficacy weekends yeah. or whatever, it's like, just this endless road that I think a lot of people just think like, oh, you pick your favorite and then you're on it and you're fine. And it's not like that. It's really hard. And then also like sometimes a medicine that worked or you didn't have a lot of side effects, you can go back on it and then you have side effects. Right. You know, like I went back on probably like six months ago and it's like, this sounds like, oh, poor you, but it's made my boobs like huge. No way. (laughs) God, I, w- I wish I had that reaction. I had a seizure from an antidepressant that I tried Are you once. serious? And it, it was because I was on too high of a dose. It doesn't happen okay. to everyone by any means, but it was a whole mess. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every everyone has a different. Your boobs can grow, or you can have a seizure. You can have a my seizure. boobs are growing, but but it also like made me gain weight. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not just my yeah. boob, but like so many people are like, "Did you get a boob job like really? during COVID?" I'm like, "No." I mean, I always wow. had boobs, but. Yeah. They are like, I said to my shrink last week, I was like, we have to do something. Or this That's incredible. I mean, I'm like jealous, but I understand <laughs> that it can be, it can be more of a, complex. you know, yeah. If you already have, you're like, okay, this just keeps going, but it, all of them can have so many side effects. And then you have to take something else to counteract it. And it's, right. it's kind of like, well, do you want to be, you know, 15 pounds heavier or do you want to be like dead? So right. Honestly, a hundred percent. Those are literally your options. I know that sounds very it's- like dire straits, but it's true. No, it's absolutely true. So then when you were 20 and you said you went to New York, right? For school? I went to New York. I went to CalArts for a year, but then I came back to New York and that's when I really found a great shrink. That's really probably a few years after being with him is when I started Wellbutrin and Zoloft. And then I was on that for a really long time. And then I went off it and was like, probably wasn't the best thing Yeah. to another medication. I don't recommend anyone just like going off there. I didn't like go off cold turkey, but I was oh, trying yeah. something else and that. I know. Isn't it funny? We all take our medications into our own hands at some point. Like there's like, I've had yeah. countless times where I'm like, no, you know, actually I know better therapist and I'm going to like, <laughs> like take it one day, not take it the next. Like yeah. it's so dangerous. Like No, it is. It is. It's so dangerous. It is. It yeah. is. Cause so- you're fucking with your brain chemistry, which you don't really remember when you're taking a pill every day. No. And it takes a while for you to know, oh, this really did work or didn't work. And I, I actually, I didn't go off it myself. I went, I went on something else, but then we realized the, well, it was a better mix, you know? Right. And then like all the while you're like trying to build your name and like trying, you know, all these, I think that's what's really hard is people don't realize it can become a full-time job. Oh, absolutely. You're like, you're just saying therapy, this, that, and you're, you're also then have your day job or right. your boyfriend, your house, you know, all these other responsibilities. It's can be really overwhelming. Absolutely. So tell me who you were at 25. What kind of person were you? Where were you at in life? Set the scene for me. Set the scene. I, I feel like I, basically I was doing a lot of like going out, partying, like I was auditioning, but it was a lot. It still felt like the world is your oyster. I actually had a good, good, good twenties. I feel like everything fell apart. More yeah, like, with like your thirties. Yeah. Oh no. Like, I feel like the twenties, it's like, no one can do anything or like, tell me different. Like I'm going to like rule the world. And then it's like, and then you come out to land, you're like, oh God. Like, no, I think that's important to talk about because a lot of th- people think that they have to get all of their mistakes and their shameful moments over in your 20s. And like, oh no, there's many more yeah. years to come. <laughs> you can tell everybody, like, I, oh, I did not have that experience. Yeah. It depends on how, like, how you grew up, you know? Right. Like, right. So tell me what you were doing for work at that time. So I was acting like I was doing the Nof show at the public theater. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been auditioning. And then I, I went to the groundling school out here, like up to the Sunday company. So it was just learning, writing, auditioning. And then I decided, you know, it was very hard for me to just sit around and wait like for, you know, a job or an audition. Yeah. So then I had started a clothing line and that, um, really was great to see something finished because so many times with acting. And I'm sure it's the same with music or, you know I mean? You're waiting forever for like everyone else. And so it's nice with designing something where you can kind of see something beginning to end within a week, which is right. rare in the entertainment And it's called industry. Nera Simone, right? Yeah. The first was just Simone. And then I had switched it when we did a relaunch, but I realized after I, we had relaunched, I was like, I can't do a full clothing line, like we'll just do the special order jackets. Cause that's it's just genius. It's so much, it's so much. Um, and that's another thing. It's like a whole other topic. People don't realize how much work and time it is like, you know, I mean, if you're doing this yourself, I don't like, there's not a backer or a company like, right. this is like, you know, cut but and that's sew. A, but that's a really smart way to do it. So you didn't just exclude yourself from having a clothing line altogether. You were like, let's do it made to order. Yeah. And then it's sort of also like all the mistakes that I made with my clothing line, like we're doing some merchandise for the podcast and now I've really learned what works, how to do it, like have the contacts. And I think 
if I didn't, I would have done how I did things before. Like, let's just do a bunch of stuff. And it's just really not a great way to do it. Right. So I know that you are an actress, a screenwriter, right? A clothing designer. Yes. Which, and a podcaster now. So do you still do all four of those things? You know, I'm not actively acting right now. I basically, I feel like actually it was after... COVID or during COVID, I realized like, what makes me happy? What do I want to do? And actually, but what's weird is from acting or going on all these auditions, it's kind of helped me be a podcaster. You know what I mean? You have to interview people, you have to connect with people. And then I, you know, I'm writing the shows, like I'm doing everything. So that's helped as well, having writing skills. Yeah. So, so I would still say yes, writing the clothing. Yes. But now we're doing, I'm focusing more on merchandise for Amazing. the podcast. I know and I'm then, excited for that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's more what has taken my focus. Yeah. I think it's important to yeah. know that you have done all of these things, even while trying to find a medication and whatever. You know, actually what's interesting too, is like when you do have ADHD, it's, it, Yes, it's a crutch in some ways, but it also can be a superhero power because you can really hyper-focus on something. Like I can hyper-focus on something in a way that someone that doesn't have ADHD can. Yeah. A lot of Olympic athletes are-, are Oh, really? Um, yeah, because you have to be so focused at such a like high velocity that m- the sort of regular person really doesn't have that. You know, like it, it has to be something you're interested in. Yes. Mind you. Yeah. It wouldn't yes. be like here, build, like build a house. I'd be like, right. No. But you can hyper focus. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what are the biggest differences between who you were at 24, 25 and now? Oh God. I definitely, I dated like all the wrong men. Did you? Yeah. I love it. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I mean, God, this be like the X rated. <laughs> yes. I just, um, yeah, I just really went for the, like, just not the right men for me, you know? Yeah. Do you have a different taste in men now? Yes. I would okay. say so. I would say so. I think I went, yeah, I just did not go for who I should have, you know, in, in that sense. But I, and also I think another huge difference is I'm way more like comfortable with who I am. Yes. Even though there still are, of course, insecurities and whatnot, but that time versus now, it's just, you know, it's just, you just get more perspective. Absolutely. That's something that while you can still have crazy moments in your thirties, like that is something that I look forward to. I think you just like have more peace about who you are. You know, you're just like, okay, I guess this is, you know, what I've got. And now I got to do, you know, something with it. You know, Yeah. you make peace with that. I think so many women in their 20s or even in their 30s, like, you know, have identified that maybe they have bad taste for them in significant others and they keep choosing the wrong person. Yeah. How did you get from that point to now? Like, what did you have to reconcile in yourself or like, what did you have to do to resolve that? It's funny because I was listening to your, the breakup woman or the- Oh, Amy Chan. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like- I was like, oh, God. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. Everyone that listened to that episode is like, I'm doing everything wrong. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just like, well, I thought I was doing this right, but maybe. I am really, I am good at though. Like once I bring up with someone, like they're dead to me. Okay. Like I, I will not call. Like when mm-hmm. she said 30 days, like I haven't talked to someone in like three years. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, I, know, I will like, like that too. Yeah. It's just, some people are like that. It's all or nothing. I think it was, I guess really through, I mean, I've been doing therapy since I was five years mm-hmm. old. So yeah. I do have a great therapist now, but I think also it was more just seeing why am I going back to this person? Like I'm not getting, like, they're not meeting my needs. Like, like, what do I really want? Yeah. The sex is great, but like, is this person really going to do or, or be who I want to be? I think you just, or maybe I come to, came to a point in my life, which I feel like is l- kind of late or other people came to this point way earlier was where it's like, it doesn't have to always be about the sex or great mm-hmm. sex. Yeah. But then I say that and I'm like, well, I can't not have good sex. So I don't yeah. know. No, there is a world that where you can have both. I'm sure we'll, we will find it. But do you feel like now it's subconscious or do you f- think you're still attracted to the bad boy? No, now I literally am like, it's, I mean, I'm amazed. Like I'll be on an app, you know, go and I'm like, wow, this is who I used. I'm like, laughing at myself because I think, wow, this is who I would be like, wow, great. And now I'm like, now that is growth. 
I guess. I mean, it's, it's, but Mima, I'm not dating anyone. Not dating anyone is better than dating the wrong person. That's true. Right? I mean, everyone always says that, but I, I guess that is true. I guess that is true. It is. So tell me, when you were like 24, 25, yeah. 26, did you feel like you had a firm grasp on your mental health then? Or did you feel kind of out of control? I think I still was like more trying to hide that side, you know, mm-hmm. of me where it's like, yeah. oh no, I can be this person. Like everything's great. Like not everything's great, but not share it yeah. as much. Well, I wonder, like, I wanted to ask you that because I wonder in relation to dating, were you mm-hmm. more secretive about like mental illness or like, did you, were you scared to bring it up to partners? Were you scared to take your meds in front of yeah. partners? I, you know what? I've never been, once you get to know me, like I'm very open. So I would take, I, I mean, I, you couldn't really date me without seeing like medicine, you know? And, and obviously if someone and anyone listening to this, if you're dating someone that like makes you feel bad about that, you should like immediately yes. dump them because that's yeah <laughs> awful. So anyone I was looking at, there was never a weird thing of, oh, why are you doing that? Or why are you, you know? So I never felt that it was it was more, I think what I realized later, mm-hmm. is this person good for my mental health? Like, or why am I going to them for validation? You know, like I would, I would date a lot of men where like I would be validated if like they were going out with me when it's like, why am I doing that? Yeah. And it's something that I'm working on a lot recently. When I go into a room or when I go into a social situation, yeah. asking, do I like them? before I'm like, wait, do they like mm-hmm. me? And becoming obsessed with that. It's kind yeah. of just like a shift in your mind. And it's hard. You have to keep reminding yourself and work that muscle because it's one thing to know it cognitively that like you should be asking yourself if you like them. Yeah. But it's a whole other thing to actually get your brain to autopilot on its own. No, it's true. I that's it's funny you say that because my shrink would say that about like when I'd be going on a date and I'm like, oh, I'm worried. Like, are they going to like me? And he's like, well, you should be thinking like, is this person right for me? Right. You know what I mean? Not like- But we don't, you know, like I just don't don't. think people do. Like people are, or more women, you know, are more like, oh, do they like me? You know? Right, totally. Is there like a mistake or rejection or major life moment in your 20s and maybe early 30s that you felt like you wouldn't be you without, or like you wouldn't be who you are today without having gone through? Yeah, it was though, it was when I was- 17. I was, I was thrown out of my high school. Oh, no And that way. was a big life changing moment. Yeah. When you think back, cause it was like, you can't graduate with your class. Right. Like, you it's, know, it's traumatizing. Like the year before senior. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about that. What was that experience like? Well, that it was in retrospect, it was like awful, but it was also great. You know, right. it was a good like thing a to happen. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, I, I had left school like three times. You couldn't leave school like for lunch. And then I was elected to student council mm. and they thought I had too much influence over the kids. Oh, like, no. like, the, yeah, the school colors were white and green. Yeah. And so when I ran for like the white color, like spirit captain, okay, which sounds like awful. It's not like the white person spirit captain, like the white, white team. Yes. White team. Okay. White Got and it. green. And I dressed up as a bra and uh-huh. I was like, I'll give you the support you need. It was a woman's Genius. school. Genius. Oh no. It was like the women, the teachers, it was like an uproar. Like this is so inappropriate for a bra. Yeah. How could you do this? I had, like, I'm like, how innovative. How does one even dress up as a bra? Well, I had like a big bra on my head, like with the cones and then like- People I think are I so had, weird. That sounds great. Yeah. People are. And so they were like, we don't want you to come back. And I was like, well, I'm coming back. And they're like, no, you can't come back. I remember like having the, you know, when I was met Was it a private them. school? Like, Yeah. Okay. All girls private school. All girl. And then, then there, there was the boys private school, like up the hill, you know, it was like the- Oh my. Yeah. Like where you like met it's like school a gossip dances girl, and, but like yeah. not. Yeah. 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 And this was all in Baltimore. Yes, in Maryland. And so then I went to the Baltimore School for the Arts Mm -hmm. um, downtown. So I went from a school that was like, you know, the majority of the kids were like very privileged, you know, used to going away on vacation, you know, doing X, Y, Z to a school where it was, you know, 98% black and me. But I actually really liked the Baltimore School for the Arts much more. Like in retrospect, I'm like, this was a much better experience for me. I don't want to skip over this. That is so hard for a 17-year-old girl to go through. Like, did you lose all your friends or what? How? I was really lucky where all my, the whole class, like, went on strike. Stop. (laughs) 
Oh like, my God, this I, I is was, amazing. Yeah, I was very lucky where I still stayed friends, you know, for a few years with my best friend at the time, but now we're not friends anymore Okay, for a whole, like, but it was, you know, I, I felt very supported by my friends. I was, I was very lucky where it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, goodbye. Like that just wasn't yeah. the way the school, I don't know, or the, the way that class was. Um, it was more like I was so let down and horrified by the teachers and the administration because they just were not supportive of like a kid who was a more creative. Yeah. Yes. And so, yes. you know, and it's funny you say that because I think of that with friends of mine who have kids that are maybe having a tough time or mm -hmm. someone's in trouble all the time. And I think people should not, like you said, take it lightly because what happens in those years, it really does, you know, set the stepping stones for the rest of your life and how you feel about yourself. Um, absolutely. It is hard. I mean, and none of the other schools would take me. Like, so it was weird. Like I had to study with the junior class. And then even though I could still graduate with a senior, but it was really, really strange. I'm like, let me just was it shame based for you? Like, did you, do you remember feeling ashamed of that? I, it's funny. I feel like shame also, like as a word where recently I'm like, oh my God, I have a lot of shame about so many things. Oh like, yeah, with me too. Yeah. I'm sure I was and mm -hmm. like thinking back where like, yeah, I was, I always think of like embarrassed, right? And right. like embarrassment, shame. Yeah. Like I didn't want yes. to admit like this happened, but then at the same time I was like, fuck this school, you know, mm -hmm. like I, and, and I was like, I'm going to go to this other school. It's going to be great. And I really yeah. fit in there oddly. Right. So it, it was a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. Completely. It was. But at the time, I think it's really hard to recognize that. Absolutely. Because anything that's other or different than like what everyone else is doing yeah. just feels inherently shameful. But what's your relationship with shame today? What's it like? You know, I think it's, um, this is <laughs> such a bizarre example. I love it. Give me, give me your bizarre example. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but you know, the fashion designer, Mark Jacobs. Yes. Obvious. Okay. I, uh, you know, he just had a facelift. I did not know that. Okay. Okay. Well, it's like all over the, the, you know, it's all over the internet. Is girl. it a good one? Looks good. It's okay, only 10 great. days. Oh, wow. That's, that's fresh. Yeah. No, he looks good. And it's funny because I don't even follow him on Instagram, but I, I'm like, I, I have a very, talk about shame. I, I have to read the daily mail. I have yeah. to every day. It's really bad. It is so good. It's I just know. so it's addictive. I can't help it. Like the writing and grammar is horrible. Yeah. Always any article, but so he's going on and on about a facelift. And he said, the reason I'm my, he's like, I just tell everyone what I do because I don't want any shame around it. Right. Like, you know, shame lives in silence. So exactly. I just like to say it. So, and I was like, wow, that's really inspiring. I was like, I wonder if one day I'll get to the point where I can just be like, this is this, you know, there are certain things. Yes. True. Where if you don't, if you feel like you have to keep everything secret. Absolutely. Right? And then like the second that you like say it out loud, you're like, Oh, wait, a mountain didn't fall around or like yeah. the apocalypse didn't happen. Or even people are like, they don't care. Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, wait, no one cares. Like, no, this is my deepest, darkest yeah. secret. People are They're like, like okay. anyway, great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But I yeah, know, I so don't true. know. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. They say like shame can't exist once it's languaged. And so like, that's what yeah. I really try to do. And like, you know, I take baby steps. Like I won't, you know, maybe I don't need to come on this podcast and say like, my deepest, darkest secret, although I do. But, you know, like I start by like telling my friends and being like, okay, I'm comfortable with my story. And like you get just more comfortable with your story and the more comfortable you get with your story, like the more secure you feel about welcoming that experience into like who you are, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's interesting. It's really yeah. interesting. So tell me about, you were in a car accident at what age? Yes, so I was in a car accident. It was... Three years ago, wow. literally like, like the end of June, 2019. Wow. And so that was a really bad car accident Yeah, where Were you I, driving? yes, I was driving someone, you know, I guess they call it like T-bone, you know, they were coming out, they didn't stop and the car spun around like, oh you know, 180 God. degrees or three, 360 degrees. I don't know, like to the other lane and right? the, the other direction. Oh, when I stopped. Yeah. So it was, it was the worst. I mean, I was very lucky that yeah. I 
was that because the, the passenger side was so smashed in. Like if someone had been with me or my dog, oh God my forbid, God. like, right. I know. But when you stopped, you were like in the car with your seatbelt on fully, yeah. like, right. Okay. Like, yeah, but just I, like, I was, I was what? just, you know, I didn't at the time I had a prior like shoulder injury. And so yeah. at the time when something like that happens and if you're not bleeding or the airbag right. isn't, you sort of think, oh, whatever. And then like, as you, the, as the days go on, you're like, oh no, I really injured my neck. And, yeah. I injured this. I, totally. you know, but it, it really, you know, sort of shook me because I, at the time, like my best friend was out of town. I think a lot of people actually were out of town. It was the summer. And I just felt like so alone. I wasn't dating anyone at the time. And when something like that happens, we were like, oh my God, I could have died. And like, no one maybe would have known for a few hours. Right. No, <laughs> like, it makes you take inventory of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, it really was super scary. And it took me a while to feel comfortable to drive. I mean, how long did it take you until you were able to drive again? I mean, a few months, but to me, that's a long time. I love to drive and I drive everywhere. And it, and then even when I would drive, I would just go short distances or, you know, you kind of have that like PTSD of someone's going to hit you. I was going to ask, did you have anxiety about things that you never had anxiety about before? It, it wasn't so much anxiety for me where it just made me really depressed. Like mm-hmm. I just felt really, I think because I wasn't driving and wanting, you know, people be inviting me places. And I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, I don't want to get in the car. I don't, you know, and LA it's, you can't really go anywhere without a car. And so it really isolated you. Yeah. Isolated Mm -hmm. me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And just, I just felt really sad and alone really Mm -hmm. more so like felt very, very alone. Yeah. That's so interesting that it manifested itself in that way. Like, you know, like where you were just like, the fact that it would have maybe taken people a couple hours to know that something had happened to you made yeah. you feel so alone. No, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. Like, how long did it take you to get back on your feet? And like- Any any day now. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, really. I know. <laughs> like, people ask me that. And I'm like, mm, still working on it. <laughs> yeah. No, but really, like, so what? tell me about that whole healing process. Oh, God. It was, I mean, it was bad. I, I actually- that summer, I think it was like, I, I already was not, I think doing well. Yeah. And so my therapist at the time said, Oh, you should try, you know, ketamine infusions. Girl, you don't I, even know how much I want to talk to you about this. We're going to spend <laughs> like, in, in, okay, right. we'll go on to that yes. in a minute. Yes. Okay. So, yes. so like I, it gotten so bad that he was like, you need to do these infusions. Like you need to do this now. Just like in bed, like can't get out of bed kind of like, but just, you know, what's interesting is and people are always like, oh, that's so great. Like, but I think sometimes people think that though you may not be that depressed. Like mm-hmm. I can always like force myself to do something. Well, that's amazing. Maybe I yeah. shouldn't be though. I don't know. No, but, but I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's just how it manifests itself. I'm just like, I will, you know, I, if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'll show up. Right. Depressed you know, and or not. So, Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I just really pride myself on like, I'm reliable. And yeah. so I, it was more like that just crying a lot, you know, just sad. Like you'd, I'd go out somewhere, I'd come back and I'd be like a mess, you know, I'm like, I don't want. And so then just realizing this is not like, I don't feel okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, not going away. So you were still with the same therapist, but then you started ketamine treatment. Tell me all about that. Well, I mean, it's wild. Like I am not, I've never done a hallucinogenic like socially. So right. I, it was very scary to me. I'm oh, like, for sure. Such a control freak. So, right, I was going to say, someone that likes control. It yeah, be- I'm like, I'm like, unless it's Coke. No. <laughs> um, so I, at the time he was like, you should try this. And I thought, God, this guy, when he first suggested, I was like, is this guy okay? Like, yeah. he, like he's suggesting, you know, and my family's pretty conservative where they're like, right. what? Like special K? Like you're going <laughs> to like do a bunch of, like, and then the guy, one of my best friends, like, parties a lot. And like he, they're like doing it at the clubs, you know? And I'm like, and right. then I'm thinking, how's anyone even like standing up on ketamine? So yeah, it's, it's such a interesting thing, but it's basically, I went to the uh, ketamine clinics of LA. Yeah. Listen to Katie's episode about ketamine. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Dr. Mandel. Yeah. And basically it kind of like rewires your brain and not everyone. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's what, but it's, it's, that was for me. Like it really helped me like reset my brain. Some people do it and it doesn't work. 
So it's like basically a monitored trip kind of or like not yeah. a trip, but it's like you sit in the room with your psychiatrist or, or with someone. Yeah. What do well, you do? The the infusions at the school of thought is you do an infusion in a room alone, which means oh, like, you know, okay. it's done through an IV. Yeah. You have headphones on uh-huh. and an eye mask because. Okay. Is it like on White Lotus? Did you watch that? Like when those girls do K. Is it the same? Like when they're on the beach and they take like Jennifer Coolidge comes out. Yeah, and like and everything's kind of like really, you know, like S M R. What is it? What is ASMR? As ASMR, like you know. So it's like that's what it's like. It feels like that, or at least for me, like it it feels or like there's fabric like this close to you, like it's wild. But were you scared? No, but that was me. I mean, there was someone that was doing them the same time and. She would have a bad, so I don't want to, everyone's different. Everyone is different. We said it, everyone's different. Don't trust us. We're not doctors. No, we're not doctors. Like every, and, and they are a, that establishment too, like they wouldn't do it unless you're going to a therapist. Right. You don't want to go off your medicine. You know, you I was going to ask, can you be on antidepressants and do you, that? They want you to because wow. you don't want to just go off, go off them. Do you do it more than once or like, is it one and done? When you first do it, I mean, I get once again, everyone is different, but for me, you do six infusions. Okay. And so you can be, I mean, when I first did it, you're really nauseous afterwards. Oh, no way. Like you feel like, you know, like, like you're like walking on air. Like it's, it's really, did you feel different? Like, did you feel like a different person or like, where did you notice that it was working? I mean, I sort of described it as like, I think it was after my third treatment, I woke up and it felt like someone had like scrubbed my like brain. Like clean. You're not the first person I've heard say that. Really? Yes. Yeah. You just feel clearer. Yeah. It's it's very strange. My cousin makes fun of me. He's like, "You're so LA. You have to like do your ketamine treatments before Thanksgiving." You know what I mean? Like, I'll be like, "Sorry, I need to go do some ketamine." And no, then I'll that's be home. what I wondered. So like, <laughs> do you have to do it again? Because like, what my therapist said was, it can be amazing, but then like people note that it wears off. Oh, I didn't have that. I've gone some some people can go a year. Yeah. You know, some people, and but it, once again, it depends on how they're getting it. Like if you do it intravenously, like that is, I think kind of the strongest way to get it mm-hmm. versus like the nasal spray or under the muscle. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Katie, you are opening my, I'm like, <laughs> what are all, I'm not going to work out, but I will try ketamine. <laughs> You're like, I'll be at the clinic tonight. Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, I can't work out. I can do this. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it. Every, everyone's different, but it, it definitely, it just can sort of depend on how long it can, you know, last yeah. for you or, you know, like they call them boosters. Like you can come right. and do after three months. And I did one last week. So, okay. and they're all, you know, every, I was freaked out the first time I did it. Like, like the, before they started, I was very nervous. Like, oh, this is going to like alter my personality or alter this. But were you in such a lurch where you were like, I'll but try I, anything I, at this point? Yeah. Like, I remember they were like, do you need um, not Valium? It's like the one they always try to give you at the hospital. Oh, I don't know, to like calm you down. Like er, people are always trying to give it. No one's offered it to me. Well, I, okay, I'll, I'm sure I have some here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I was just like, no, 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 let's do it. You know, yeah. like you were just like, let's dive in. Let's dive in. And so, and you just basically, or for me, like you do, you hallucinate, but it's, it's interesting. Like you'll see your mind and it's wild. No way. Okay. So my sister sat in because she's like very much like my sister's a therapist. So she's oh, yeah. really looking into all of this stuff and like so curious about psychedelics and everything because it really is like the new frontier. I mean, That's they've true. been around for forever, but they're like getting more yeah. mainstream and normalized. But she sat in on a ketamine infusion with this girl that has been having them forever. And like even more so than a trip, she just was like, I feel like I can see all my problems and like nothing feels like as big of a deal as it is or like as it did before. I think that's true because it, for me, basically, like it really takes you out of your body. So you basically realize not to get like too far out, like we're not our bodies and like nothing, like none of that matters. It's weird. That's what you need. Like you need that complete shift of consciousness to understand because yeah, that's, it's fascinating. So how long do you sit with the IV? And like, are there things like if you do start to panic, can they like help you? Like, can you scream and ask for help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's not like someone's watching, someone's watching you the whole time, which at first freaked me out. Right. I was like, most people don't want it to end though, right? No, I mean, it's the other good thing about when you do it intravenously is 
once they take it down, like it's leaving your body where when they do it under the muscle, it takes a long time to take up to 24 hours to wear off. Yeah. That might be what she had. Yeah. You can get very sick. Like if you're you're prone to nausea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So have you, you've found that it's been super helpful for you along with therapy and still being on your antidepressants and everything else. I, I actually think it, it saved my mind from going like totally crazy. I feel very fortunate that my doctor is pretty advanced and like, you should try this and that. And, um, and it is cool that now more of the psychedelics are going to be used and, oh yeah, because people just become, they become, you know, a drug, I don't know what they call drug treatment resistant. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you need, sometimes doing something like this will then help your current medication work better. Yeah. But that's, this is an important conversation for me to have, because I kind of thought of it as like, you try those and then you're healed, you know, like you don't yeah, need antidepressants no. anymore or any of that stuff. No. And it's so really the opposite. Like, I feel like, you know, it's a lifelong thing, really. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have better months. You can feel when it starts to leave your system, though. Oh, yeah. Like you can, you know, when you need a, a refresher. Yeah. Like um, it's more really my therapist will be like, you should do some infusions because it takes a lot out of you. I mean, you're really... Oh, really? At least for me, like, it's, it's not like you do them and like get in the car. Like you can't drive, like someone has to watch, you know, it's like. When you're out of it, are you able to access that vantage point? Like, are you able to say nothing matters? Are you able to like access the way that you feel during the treatment or the infusion? I, I mean, I'm able to see that, but it's not, I feel like doing more daily things that would maybe would remind me or like mantras would help mm-hmm. that. But I, I feel like doing those didn't, doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't make me suddenly right feel like that. I wish. Yeah, I know. Right? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it helps. <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely, um, it's, it just makes me like kind of lighter, you know? Yes. Yes. Just like easier to be in your brain. A yeah. Bit. It just makes me a little less like, oh, or Doomsday. irritable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, that's just for me, that's sort of what it has done. And I, I think actually that's a good thing to say. Cause I think a lot of times people think medicine, they're going to take it and it's going to be like, Oh, like, yes. I'm like, I'm so happy. And like, everything's great. And that's, it's, I mean, that's, that'd be amazing, but it's, mm-hmm. it's rare. Yeah. Like I remember my mom used to always describe like this one moment that her Prozac started working, like when she was first taking it and she was like, suddenly like the clouds parted and like I heard birds singing and it really was like a revelation for her. And for me, it was so not, but it was like, (laughs) I wish she'd never told me that because here I was like, meanwhile, like it just became so much easier to be in my head and my rumination was like lessened and all of that. But it wasn't, I didn't have one of those like eureka, (laughs) like, whoa moments either. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe mom's exaggerating. Always. (laughs) Always. Always. Yes. But no, there is that moment where you're like, oh, that didn't hurt me as bad as it, or like that didn't have like as big of a hold as it used to have over me. Like you do notice those kinds of differences. It's like things aren't as sticky. Yes. That's, I think that's a good thing. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Like, so if something bothers you, it still bothers you, but it doesn't mm-hmm. like ruin your day. Or if yes. or if you're annoyed, it's somewhat like it's not like it just doesn't stick as much. Yes. That and if is you like, can get there, like that's a big thing. A hundred percent. Then you have reached the peak of the mountain. That's a really great way to describe it. Any antidepressant <laughs> company should take that as the I'm going to trademark that. Seriously, it's perfect. It's like the exact way you should describe it. So other than ketamine, what, like, you know, I'm like, other than ketamine, what do you do now? But like, what are, what are other ways that you manage your mental health daily? You know, I, this sounds so like, duh, but it's true. I really have to eat like three meals a day. Yeah. I have to have, it's very important to me, the exercise and the diet. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't About mean I'm eating like the most healthy things in the world, but like for me, I have to eat breakfast. It helps me with all the medicine I'm taking. It just makes me feel better. Yep. It also, you know, it is a fact that your medicine, or at least with antidepressants, they do work better when you're, you know, eating regularly, yeah. like you're yes. doing a regular routine. So that really helps me. Do you take them at the same time every day? I do. I, I think don't. that helps too. I am like, okay, I am what you shouldn't do if you have, if you have <laughs> depression. What time I'm are like, you taking them? Whenever I remember. Like, I mean, I take them every day, but it's okay. like my rule with myself is like the second I think of it, 
I have to take it. Because, like, I've tried everything. I've tried leaving them next to my bed, but then when I go to the office, I'll remember and I don't have them. And then I tried, like, leaving them in my purse. And then I was like, I don't really want, like, that swish, swish, like, the pill sounds in my purse all the time. Oh, my God. You can just get, like, a little pill thing. (laughs) Like a cotton ball or, like, something. No, no, no. Like a pill little (laughs) Yeah, like like I had one of those. I had one of those. But, yeah, I I do take it every day, but I just need to get more, like, regimented about the time. It may – Lexapro, there are some, like, Zoloft, I know, it works better when you take it every day. There are some it doesn't matter. Like, for instance, if if you're Like the same time every day, you mean? yeah. It doesn't, it may not matter as much, but for instance, like if you're taking one that is sort of, you know, waking you up, you know, like well, or an upper, you don't want to take it at right. you know, seven o'clock at night. You right. Know? Yeah. Lexapro is a little more like, it's not definitely not an upper. Like it's just like. But because yeah, guess, it is an SSRI, SSRI, I would, I would guess it's probably better if you take it every day. Katie, same time. oh my God. Okay. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to take your I would advice. just say, I mean, ask, ask your doc. See I'm what taking your advice. And then we're going on a date of ketamine, <laughs> ketamine infusion. Ketamine infusion. We can sit next to each other and, you know, <laughs> it'll be wonderful. I would love that so much. But I am down. Yeah, I that's need, normal. I need all though. the help I can get, you know? I don't think so. Come no, on. I, but, but I just like would love to like. Look into all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's so many different ways. Yeah. Like it's interesting. I, I'm we're gonna talk about that more later. All right, all right, I'm ready. Okay, so what is a topic that you wish more women, either in your industry or just in general, would stop lying to each other about or like be more open with each other about? Oh my god. Wait, was it Aaron that said plastic surgery? Did yes. you ask Aaron this? Yes. It's it's not even one a topic, but just more honest with themselves. Mm, what do you mean by that? I think like, you know, like there's so many people that are like, oh, I'm doing this because of this, or it's like, no, you're doing that because you want uh-huh, to, or uh-huh. does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Do you, so you don't mean like on social, like you don't mean forward, like public facing. You mean just like with- I don't, I, I think it's more just that people were more honest about like the not being okay. You know, I think we're getting better, but like, uh, no, I'm not happy. No, I don't want to do this. Or, you know, that, that that people think women have to explain themselves all the time. Right, right. Yeah, I think people are admitting to having mental illness and like, you know, struggling in so many ways. But yeah. even now I find that so many people talk about it in past tense. You know, we're only comfortable in saying like, oh, I, I used to struggle with that. Or like, no one really is comfortable like talking about it. That's in the a moment. good point. So what's a way that like you're working on yourself these days? Obviously, if you have mental illness, you're going to be working on yourself constantly. But what is like a theme that you're really trying to get better at? I'm trying to get better. It's very hard for me. The whole perfectionism. Yes. Yes. I really I I wish someone could come into my brain and like take that part. I, I, I find it really hard. Yeah. And it's hard because it's also like it can be your greatest asset, but also your Achilles heel, you know? Yeah. And I I really... I envy people that like don't overthink things and mm-hmm. they just go ahead and do like I I really envy that. I know. Do you ever like sit like whenever I'm feeling like so overthinky or like just really depressed yeah. or whatever, I'm just like, isn't it crazy that some people just like do it? Just like do things and like don't have to think twelve times about like every step they take. I think they're like really dumb people though. I'm envious of them. (laughs) I know I am too. I know that's horrible. But sometimes I'm like, wouldn't it be great to be dumb? Like, yes, it would. (laughs) It would. Like some days it is like, I feel like I have just more thoughts than the average person and I don't need all of them. You know what I mean? So many of them are just like stupid, but yeah, it's perfectionism. I would love if I could have a perfectionism lobotomy. It's true. It just like, that's something I definitely want to work at and I've been doing that unwinding anxiety app of Dr. Judd. It's great. He has a great book too. It's called Unwinding Anxiety. Okay. I'm it's gonna great. I'm gonna look into that. It's great. You just turned me on to so many things. I'll send you my code, girl. Yeah. Twenty like, percent off. Yes. And you got a code. Oh my God, it gets better all no, the time. No, that's it it but you know, again, it's work, you know, like you're like, okay, I've gotta work at this. Um, I know. Don't you get so sick of yourself sometimes? Sometimes I'm like, oh, this bitch yeah. again? Like, yeah. I just have to, like, keep <laughs> dealing with her? You know? Yeah. Uh, so you're, like, you're like, it's enough. Yeah, it's enough. But you got to do it. So what's the most off-brand thing about you? I mean, I do like the Beverly Hills Housewives, and I feel like people wouldn't think I'd like somebody like that. Girl, I'm same. not a big reality TV oh, person. I, I know. I, yeah, but I, <laughs> I, ha- I do get caught up in, like, you know, 
And my mom will be like, really? You know, like, I this think is there's so some dumb. depression antidote mixed in with the housewives Bravo? somewhere. There's like a subliminal <laughs> message that we're getting. You know what I mean? There, there's got to be. Yeah. Like it's because so many depressed people love house. They love housewives. They're like, <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. I guess because it's so mindless. You know what I mean? Like you get to yeah. have opinions about other people's lives and like not pay attention to yours at yeah, all. Yeah, You can just kind of turn your your mind off. Like, yeah. With something it's like nice. That. It's so nice. that's. I will say that probably that I would be like a surprise. Okay. So where can everyone find you? You have the Been Better, but how about you podcast, which is amazing. And you can find out more more about ketamine and all other all yes. of Katie's other tips and tricks that she has a lot of. <laughs> yes, and that is um Ben Better HBU. We there that's the website and then the Instagram handle. Um B-E-E-N-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-B-U. Yes. yes. And then out. my, yeah, for people that don't know how to spell. And then my handle is Katie Nera, K-A-T-I-E-N-E-H-R-A. Perfect. And people can follow you there. You okay. can follow me there. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. All right. That's it from me this week. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to talk about medication or if you're trying to find the right medication or if you're just trying to convince yourself to let yourself try medication, DM me anytime. I'm always open to talking about it. I have been through the ringer trying to find the right medication and I know how lonely and frustrating it can be. So reach out anytime and I'll see you guys back here next week. Okay. Bye.